I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. episode is all about canning and no it's not just for your great-grandmother. Canning has had a resurgence over the last few years as people have looked for ways to reduce food waste, save money, eat healthier and just get back to their roots. In today's episode I chat to Jenny Gomes from the Domestic Wildflower. Jenny is from Northern California and is a busy mum of two small children. She blogs about homemade food and crafts at the Domestic Wildflower and loves sharing how easy canning is with beginners. Jenny is passionate about all things canning and her enthusiasm is infectious. I know that you're going to get a lot out of today's episode. This week's recipe of the week is my air fryer baked apples. These tenderly baked cinnamon apples are topped with a crisp oat filling that transforms into a healthy dessert that tastes anything but. If you don't have an air fryer, don't worry, you can cook them in the oven too and the instructions are included on the post. Grab that recipe and all the links that I discuss in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com slash 22. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. And we're talking canning today, which I fully admit I know nothing about. So this is going to be so good for me, but also my listeners. But before we start, let's do something fun. Can you give me your last canning fail? Oh, yes. I have a good one, unfortunately. Um, There's an old fashioned canning recipe that people can often and it's uh, with choke cherries. Choke cherries are a really very bitter and tart cherry and they're very small. And I thought, well, maybe I'll juice these cherries and then I can sweeten them with stevia or add lime juice or add something so that I don't have to add so much sugar. A standard choke cherry syrup recipe is like four cups of choke cherry juice and eight cups of sugar. So it's a ton of sugar. And I tried everything I could think of. And I cannot make choke cherries taste good without a ton of sugar. They're just, they're good. They're great with that much sugar, but that's the only way to do it. I think I I failed. I couldn't figure it out. Oh man, there are some recipes like that that you just can't make healthier no matter what you try. <laughs> and I've never tried yeah, a choke that- cherry, but I can picture like that real tartness that you really need to overcom- overcompensate with a lot of sugar. Oh yeah, they're delicious with sugar, but I don't know what you could do without it. They're they're just hopeless without sugar, I think. <laughs> All right, well that's one that you have to have like as a splurge recipe then, right? It's, it's a treat. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> well... Canning, look, I'll I'll say that in Australia, it's probably less 
popular as it is in America from what I've seen because, um, you know, we, we de- definitely don't have it in most shops. I have found canning stuff in one of our major stores <laughs> and I went mm-hmm. crazy when I found the ball jars and everything. I was like, yes, we, ha- we actually have it. Um, mm-hmm. So it is something that I've come across since I've been blogging in the blogging community and I've seen a lot of people, you know, talking about canning and it makes me really interested to find out more about, you know, what you can do with it. So I'm really excited to have you here and I think we sort of need to go from a beginner's guide to canning today. <laughs> Great. That's one of my favorite things is helping brand new beginners who are interested, but feel like, oh, I don't want to do it the way grandma did it and can like for two whole days. I love helping people learn how to can just like while your kids are taking a nap, just make one batch of jam or can you know, a dozen jars of applesauce, just small stuff that's very achievable for a brand new beginner, for someone who has a family or works, busy people. That's my jam. (laughs) I like it. Was the pun intended? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many canning puns. It's so hard to even avoid them. (laughs) So I guess you're right. There is a, there is a part there where people seem to think that it is difficult because it is, um, you know, in, uh, an old fashioned art, I guess, like a lot of our, um, you know, uh, grandparents or things like that were probably more used to it than we are now. Um, but I guess I love what you're saying here about how things can be easier with canning. You can do it quickly. So how is it easier these days? Well, for one thing, you don't have to can the whole orchard full of peaches today, right? Because um, we have refrigeration and there's all these reasons why we don't have to preserve huge batches. So you can do smaller batches today and you can do, um, because we're able to go to the grocery store in a way that a hundred years ago we weren't able to, you don't have the necessity to can these giant batches. So you can can much smaller batches. Um, there's one really awesome trick that is fairly new on the canning scene. There's not a lot that gets that's new in the canning world, right? <laughs> but in in 2015, the steam canner was approved by the USDA and tested um, and approved in the United States for home use. And a steam canner is, I like to say, uh, like a sauna if a regular traditional water bath is like a hot tub. So it achieves the same result. It uses heat to preserve the food inside the jars and you use the same recipes, the same processing times. It's all exactly the same, but the steam canner just uses like two and a half inches of water to come to a boil and bathes your jars in steam. Whereas a traditional water bath, you're boiling like eight or nine or 10 or 12 inches of water. And I'm sure every person listening to this podcast knows at least this about boiling water. The more you're boiling, the longer it takes, right? Mm -hmm. So a steam canner is exponentially faster than a traditional canner because for the second and third batches, it's ready immediately and you don't have to wait for that water to come to a boil. So that's a really, really awesome tool for a modern canner. Um, It's great if you want to use a traditional water bath, and I have some tips and tricks to make that faster too. But a steam canner, 
I mean, I use mine exclusively. I hardly ever take out a traditional water bath canner because the steam canner just is so much faster. It sounds like it's really made a big difference in the canning community and making things more efficient. And isn't it funny when you think about it, like it's only come out in 2015. So the the innovations weren't coming fast. (laughs) Right. Well, they were, they were invented apparently some time ago, but they weren't tested and proven to be safe um, until 2015. So I'm a person that I follow what's been tested and that's what I share on my blog. I share things that have been tested to be safe. I don't cut corners when it comes to preserving food. Yeah, no. <laughs> I might when I'm like making cupcakes or something, but but not when it's uh supposed to be shelf stable for over a year. I want to make sure things are tested to be to be safe. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it's uh I think it could easily go wrong if you weren't being safe with it. <laughs> uh well, yeah, it is. And actually, I think that's something that people feel really apprehensive. Some people, I should say, some people feel very apprehensive about learning how to can because they are afraid that they will make themselves sick or they heard one story one time about someone who got sick from a canned item. And and rightfully so, if you're serving your family something that you've canned or, you know, someone or you're giving it as a gift, of course you want it to be safe the same way like when you take something to a potluck or to to a friend that's had a baby, you want to make sure that it's been prepared in a safe way. But um, I like canning is like baking, like it's a science. And because it's a science, you can know that it's working and you can know exactly how it's working. So you can, if you're a person that worries like that or is has those kinds of concerns, you can take comfort in the idea that canning works from a set of very specific measurable principles. And we know that canning is working and is safe because we can high acid recipes. So if it's a a recipe that's deemed a canning recipe, it's high in acid. It's not just any old recipe. It's a high acid recipe. And the jars are submerged in the steam bath or submerged in their hot tub, their traditional water bath canner, um, to bring the inside of the jar to a specific temperature, which is, again, something measurable. Um, so I just I just like to remind people that feel nervous or apprehensive about learning canning that it's it's a science, not an art. There's it's something that is measurable and has been tested. I think that is really reassuring for people because um, you're, you're right. There, there is always like, whether they're true or not, I've, I usually call them the urban myths. A friend of a friend of mine did this like, <laughs> and um, they throw everyone off from trying. And you're right. If there, Absolutely. Is, there is scientific reasoning behind why it is safe that should reassure you. And if there are the signs that you can look at while you're making it and going, okay, this is happening. Well, that's that means that it's working or you're right. If I get it to this temperature, it's safe. That's great. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Now I just want to go back for one second and ask you, how did you even get into canning? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I grew up in a really rural country place. Um, and my mom and my grandma canned, um, food from our garden and I grew up on a cattle ranch. So we had a lot of wild berry vines and, um, 
orchard trees. So I grew up around women that canned food and we did it because we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And my mom was a stickler, no fun prepackaged food in our lunchboxes. We had to have little jars of applesauce and, you know, we were, it was a really money saving tactic when I was growing up. And then of course I became like a super cool teenager and didn't think anymore about it. And then fast forward to when I was pregnant with my first child, I suddenly, instead of painting a baby room and picking out like stuffed animals and stuff, I was so preoccupied with what will I feed this baby? And I, that winter I canned probably a hundred jars of applesauce and I learned very quickly that there is not a lot of small, small batch recipes. There's not a lot of techniques to help you speed things up. There's not a lot of recipes that tell you how to like prepare the sauce one day and then can it the next or just any like great life hacks for canning. There were none. There were none on the internet, not in books. And so I didn't start my blog then, but by the time I had my second child, I was kind of ready for a creative outlet. And just the the fact that canning was very antiquated in terms of its presence in cookbooks and online. I was ready to share what I had learned and figured out the very hard way um, on my blog. I love that it was like a family tradition and that you've continued that in your own house. That's really special. Yes. Yeah. It And it is. It's I mean, I'm sure my kids right now think like mom's boring. I mean, they don't think it's cool yet. You know, they're only seven and five. But uh I, I like that canning gives you a sense of control over what you're eating, which I think is so relevant in today's world where so many people are struggling with allergies and food sensitivities. If you are able to make your own tomato sauce or salsa or anything and then preserve it on the shelf so you don't have to read labels constantly, I think it's very freeing. Absolutely. Oh, and you're right. Like everyone is trying to find ways to cut down the the crap and get yeah. get it out of their food. Um, we're looking at labels. We're interested in what goes into the food making. So if you do have that, that control over it yourself, it kind of takes the guesswork out of it. And that's really helpful. Yeah, I think label reading is exhausting. Um, uh, your episode about pasta, it really, I love that one so much because pasta is something that people love and it's like such a comfort food for so many and it feels so traditional and store-bought pasta sauce I sorry I hate to like crucify it but it is full of trash it's terrible most of it is full of sugar it doesn't taste anything like real good pasta sauce and if I had to can one thing for the rest of my life it would be tomato sauce because it's just tomatoes and a little garlic and onion and it tastes delicious and there's no trash in it. It's it's good for you. It's healthy. It's something I can feed my kids and not feel guilty about. As soon as you said before about sauces, I was like, ah, oh, well, this time I like uh, my my preconception of what uh, canning is, is like, oh, I think of the fruits or I think of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're right, like the apple sauces and stuff. But I was not thinking about like things like pasta sauce. But as we've been talking, I was like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I'm already thinking about how I can apply this in my own house. <laughs> All right. Great. So speaking as a beginner who has nothing in my house that I would even 
think I could do canning with, what is the equipment that I should have if I was going to start? That's a great question. Um, People often think that it's going to take a ton of stuff or that it's going to take those big, giant, black, speckled pots that grandma used to use. If you have one of those pots or you find one at a thrift store or grandma gives you one, then use it. That's fine. Those work great. Um, But if I were a brand new beginner getting started and you're not ready to purchase a steam canner yet, they're like 40 bucks. Um, And I have a link on my blog and I can share a link for the show notes too. Yeah. You could just use a regular old pasta pot or like a pot you'd boil, let's say artichokes in or something. Mm -hmm. And you can get a silicone trivet, like a rubbery trivet and put it on the bottom of the pot and you can can in that. So instead of going out and buying something, you can use a pot you already have and put a silicone trivet on the bottom. Those are like 10 bucks on Amazon. And you put your canning jars in there. So that eliminates the need to go buy some big pot, which I hate, like the idea that you have to go buy, like, go buy this big gadget. No, that's a really good slick workaround. And then the other thing that you probably don't already own, the only thing that a person probably doesn't already own that you would need for canning is a jar lifter. And it's very inexpensive, but pretty dang necessary. It's like a pair of tongs, but it's rounded around the top to grab a jar that's submerged in boiling water. Mm -hmm. And there's not really another tool that could be substituted. (laughs) It's pretty important too for safety. Um, And then you need jars and those can be used and you need lids. Those have to be brand new. If you're using, most companies uh, require a brand new lid for every time. And that's the only thing that you'd have to go buy brand new. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. And so why do you have to use a brand new lid every time? Around the inside of the lid, there's a circle. It's like a rubber flange and it is only... It only creates a seal once, Mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to say that. Okay. It only creates a seal once. That makes sense. You can reuse it to store, like I use canning jars in my house to store like leftover crayons or direct ground coffee. And I use those lids for those things. But to can again with, you don't reuse them. Okay. That's a good point to to recognize. I probably wouldn't have even thought of that. So that's good to know. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so if we're just thinking about canning in general, what are some good things that we can do? Um, so we've mentioned about the pasta sauce. <laughs> how, yeah. do, what, how do I start thinking about canning other than just like, you're right, canning the whole orchard. How do, <laughs> what are some easy everyday ways we can use it? Um, I like to give people quick, like a, a quick recipe. Um, So you'd either would pick something that's available, ripe and inexpensive in your stores or farmer's market right now. Um, So one of the fastest jam recipes you can make is a raspberry jam. The seeds inside raspberries are full of natural pectin, which give jam its gel, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you can make and have it completely canned and done in under 20 minutes. It's amazing. And most people think that it's going to take hours and hours, but it's, it's really quick. So I think if you're looking for a quick jam recipe, raspberry jam is a great one. If you're looking for something more savory, I mentioned tomato sauce. That is such a wonderful pantry staple and you can either leave it very plain or you can add fresh herbs or I have been adding like a drop of oregano essential oil. Um, You can do lots of different things to 
season your tomato sauce so it's more of a Mediterranean flavor or more of a Mexican flavor, or you can just leave it very blank slate. One kind of weird recipe that I love to make at least one batch of every year is tomato jam, which sounds so weird and gross. It's not really a jam. It's like a condiment. It's made with balsamic vinegar and uh, it's kind of garlicky and roasted flavored. And it's a great way to replace a tomato in the wintertime. Like when you would normally have a slice of tomato on your sandwich, tomato jam is a great substitute when there's no great fresh tomatoes available. It's savory and delicious and so good on like a turkey sandwich. So good. Yeah, because I was just about to say, how, how would you use it? But yeah, yum. I love that idea. Also the tomato jam. I also put it on an everything bagel with cream cheese. Oh, okay. That's a different one. Yeah. Mm. Um, you can also preserve well, pie fillings, which is a really handy thing. Um, so you can slice up your apples or slice up your peaches, or I just have been testing a lemon pie filling. Oh. So you can have, you know, I'm not saying fill your shelves with this, but a batch or two, five or six or seven or eight jars. So when you want to make a pie or a crisp or a crumble or whatever the day calls for, then you have the filling completely ready and you just dump it into the pie. It's already cooked. Mm, I saw you have one on your Instagram the other day that I think you made a, made a crumble out of it. And yes. I was like, that's such a good idea because desserts in a pinch, like, you know, when you have people coming over for dinner and things like that, the last thing you want to stress about is like what you're making for dessert. So I love that kind of like dump and go type of situation. <laughs> oh yeah. And it, that actually, that was strawberries and peaches. It was delicious. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. And like I say, I don't make huge batches of these things. I just do one batch or two batches. And then I have, you know, a jar to use this month. And maybe next month I'll think, oh yeah, I do have a jar of that peach pie filling. I'll, I'll make another. Mm, I love that idea. Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to have to try some pie filling. <laughs> that, that's, that's, just, that's, that's just great. dangerous though. I will be having pie all time. <laughs> all right. And so I like what you've, you've given us a few different ideas of like things that we can make. So I like that there's like a mix of sweet and savory. Cause yeah, my mind's always going to the sweet. I'm not thinking of the savory and that pasta mm -hmm. sauce is really getting it for me. But let's talk about, because we're in October, Christmas mm -hmm. is coming up, the holidays are coming up and I think that canning sounds like something that you could probably make some gifts with. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Um, I think that canning gifts is such a great idea because it really shows effort instead of, I didn't know what else to buy you. So I got you another pair of socks and gloves, uncle so-and-so. Um, I just feel like it's really fun to make a couple batches of something. And it's also fun to do with friends. That's actually a really great idea. Invite some girlfriends over, have a glass of wine. And some of the recipes that I think are really fun to share as a gift um, would be like a jalapeno pecan jelly. Um, cause that's not necessarily something that you would maybe like serve to your toddlers. I mean, maybe if you have very sophisticated toddlers, <laughs> I don't, but, but, um, that's just like something that's kind of spicy, kind of sweet, it has pecans in it, it's delicious and an unusual preserve, like a really great salsa. That's like a, a wonderful thing you could take as a hostess gift, um, or give as gifts, um, something like special, like a spiced pear butter. That's 
something you could eat out of a spoon or you could put between the layers of a of a layer cake. It's delicious and not super, super sticky sweet. Um, you could do maple whiskey peaches. Those are like peach halves that are in a syrup of booze and van- vanilla and you can put them on top of a cheesecake or on top of waffles that's like a special preserve that's actually very simple to make um pickled bread and butter jalapenos that was all summer long for two summers in a row the number one recipe on my blog oh, people cannot get enough of pickled bread and butter jalapenos because they're spicy and sweet and you can put them on sandwiches. You can eat them on an hors d'oeuvre platter. You can, uh, I don't know how else people eat them, but they're they're delicious and really good. And they're not hard to make. What um, I really love about the ideas that you have here is that they're, like, I mean, aside for salsa, and I, I actually think that it would be really special to make a, a good batch of salsa and give it to people. But the other ideas that you've given me, I couldn't buy those from the store or like I'd have to go to a very no. specialty store to buy it. So I like that mm-hmm. like you're giving someone something that's actually really unique that they wouldn't have every day that is special. These some of these sound quite gourmet as well and I'm sure I'm sure they're not um taking lots and lots of effort to make. It's you know um in in a theme with your easy accessible canning recipes. But yes. but it would look like, you know, you've you've put a lot of love into it. That's important around Christmas time. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm I am all about what's easy and achievable for someone on a timeline, um, someone who has other things to do. <laughs> I've never, I made, I've made beef Wellington one time in my life. And I, I remember we made it for my dad for his birthday, my sister and I, and I said, this is the only beef Wellington I'm ever going to make. Cause it took so long. Like I'm not, that's not something that like brings me joy in my life. I do like quick wins. Um, like, oh, a lime cherry, like cherry, you just put the cherries and like create a little lime syrup and can them. That's, that's something exactly like what you said. You can't buy that in a store. They look beautiful. You could serve them in cocktails over Christmas drinks or not. You can eat them out of, with a fork or put them on top of your yogurt in the morning. It's, it's very versatile. Mm. And all Canning of these, is versatile. all of these recipes are on your blog and we That's will right. make sure that there's, there's a link. Like, so you have a post that has all of these recipes in it together, don't you? So we'll link that in the show notes and, um, anyone can grab any of those that sound good to you or all of them because they all do sound delicious. <laughs> now, Jenny, do you have any last minute beginner's tips for canning for anyone who's been hesitant um i am happy to help anyone if you have a question you can shoot me an email i'm very active on instagram if you had a quick question on the fly wait how do i do this you can always send me a question i also have a free canning basics course that i would recommend if you want to dive into i just send a quick little lessons to your inbox. So it's very digestible and low commitment. Um, and I have a variety of courses and ebook resources, um, on startcanning.com. But in general, I would say to a beginner, it's much easier than you think. And it's also a science. So if you follow the directions, it's a lot like baking. It, it will work and you don't have to feel fearful of the consequence of what if it doesn't work? It's it's going to work. And if it didn't work, you would definitely know it. Um, but it's, it's a really fun 
time-saving and delicious thing that I think like everybody should be doing this. You should have a canning pot going when you're making supper all the time. It's just a super awesome technique that saves time and just puts delicious food on your pantry shelf to cook with later. Your passion for canning is infectious. I really want to give it a go now. <laughs> no, it is. I like it. I, I like when people have passion about things and, and hobbies because it is something like I think in this day and age when we're getting more like on social media and things like that, that can become like our only hobby. <laughs> and that's pretty sad. Like it's such a time suck. Yeah. And I think it's it's nice to have these things. And like you, like you said – why not get some friends together and give canning a go? You know, it doesn't have to be before Christmas if you don't have time, but like what a fun activity that you could do and kind of a a nod to our mothers and grandmothers before us. Oh, I think it's, I think that's really the best. I have one good friend that I invite over routinely and then, you know, you have a drink, you get to catch up, you split the work, you split the jars, you go home and it's just as a fun, it's like, it's like a quilting circle, but a canning circle. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Now, Jenny, where Great. can my listeners find you? My blog is called The Domestic Wildflower, and you can find that at thedomesticwildflower.com. And if you're just ready to jump into a course, um, the free one included, those are directly housed at startcanning.com. And on social media, I'm the most active on Instagram and my handle is at the domestic wildflower. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those tips with us. I'm really excited to give this a go. Like I said, I'm getting, I've just got pasta sauce on my mind. I've, I just actually have to get off this call and go and eat pasta now. That's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> I just want like Perfect. a really nice tomato sauce. I want to go and make one now. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Jenny's love for all things canning sure is contagious. She's opened my eyes to the world of canning, which I naively assumed was all fruit preserves and expensive equipment. And I can't wait to try canning some pasta sauce. For all the links that we discussed in today's episode, head to cookitrealgood.com slash 22. That's it from me. Have a great week and don't just cook. Cook it real good. Bye.